the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It is a Thursday. It is a nasty Thursday. Some of you in the Valonia Cabot area going up towards the Searcy area are under a tornado warning as I speak. So uh, take your precautions that you have. I spoke to my wife just a moment ago. She's in our our uh, what I call the iron box out there in the garage. She's in there and yeah, he locked like got in. A pretty uh pretty sweet iron box out yeah, there. Yeah, we paid about four grand for it because my my wife is originally from Texas, so you can mm-hmm. imagine when you oh, say yeah. tornado what she does. And she's from the Wichita Falls area that got devastated during the time that she was in her twenties. So uh she doesn't take that lightly. So she was sitting in there with, with our dog and uh staying safe and i told her you just stay there until you feel completely you know completely safe to come out i just texted her and told her that the tornado warning that had been uh canceled at 145 has been reinstated until 230 up in the cabot area i mean if you look north it's black up there, man. Yeah, I mean, there's already. Uh, I mean, you go on uh, Twitter, go to the hashtag ARWX, and you can see that there's already uh, damage even off I-30. Uh, there's oh, okay. some rotation about a, I believe they said a um, a mile out, and that was just a few minutes ago from Valonia. So, uh, folks out that way certainly need to seek shelter and uh, just a kind of a weird. Uh, and from what I've heard from. Uh, the different uh, meteorologists uh, in central Arkansas, kind of an unforeseen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're severe just talking day. about, so, you know, showers and a yeah. few thunderstorms, and they went severe. And then after they went severe, you it know, you can spawn up, yeah. anything exactly. at that point. Yeah, so so a scary uh, situation this afternoon. Everybody in that area definitely needs to make sure they're uh, taking those precautions now. Well, so. wait, we talked, uh, talking about the iron box that I've got, it will take an F5 direct hit and stand wow. uh, I, w- I don't want to be in it if that right, happens exactly. but it you can you can shoot it with a 50 cal uh rifle and the bullet will not penetrate it wow wow <laughs> so that's what you want in a uh, it's a safe room yeah that's you what know? you want in a safe room there. that's exactly right it can it can do it all it really can by the way it does have slots that i can shoot out but you can't shoot it there you can there you go <laughs> <laughs> so that takes Russ, care of Russ is just shaking his head. That takes over. care of uh, yeah, the tornadoes and uh, zombie po- yeah, yeah. apocalypses. Yeah, the apocalypses thing, yeah. of anybody of anybody. Yeah, uh, the, the KKK if they get get wild up there again, I don't have to worry about them. All right, so that's the bottom line. Um, right now, if you're in those areas, stay safe. That's the best thing I can tell you. Just stay safe. And I don't know about everybody else. Is everybody tired of the rain? I'm tired of the rain. I don't want any more rain. Go oh, it's away. That miserable time of year. I mean, so. it, it, 
April showers, not May showers. That's right. Bring it's a little behind. April showers bring May flowers. April and May got their memos uh, <laughs> crossed up there. Did I hear right that over the, the winter months we got over 10 and a half inches of rain in this area? <laughs> I have no idea. And, and you know, you got all that rain, and it's already in the ground. Now the ground is just saying, I can't hold no more. Yeah, well, you can definitely tell. You go out, I mean, just the streets of Little Rock right now, it is uh, flooded, flooded, flooded. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know when I left from uh, home today and I was coming in, areas that very seldom have any water standing on them had a bunch of water standing on them. No so doubt. Right now, that's the big news in our area. Be glad you're not in Davenport, Iowa. Their levee was breached about an hour ago, and it was showing downtown Davenport, and all you could see was little tops of cars mm. that were underwater. Wow. Not good. Not nope. good in a lot of places. A lot of rain. Must be global warming, right? I don't know. Anyway, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, I don't know if I have the energy to get into that topic today. <laughs> I'd like to have Mark Morano on from yesterday. He was... He's the guy who has the website Climate Depot, and uh, he just has such great stuff on there. And he had a field day yesterday talking about Beto and AOC. You know, I mean, it's like I said, talking politics here now, uh, that with the debates coming up soon uh, for the Democrats as they you know, scramble to try to get some, you know, some traction in the race or whatever, yeah. that they would all start going further left than the next one so that they would get some some media coverage. And so AOC said, 12 years, man. That's all there is, is 12 years. And now Beto has come out and said, 10 years. So here's what's weird. AOC said 12 and she wants to spend a gazillion dollars real, real fast, right? Beto says we got less time, but his way of dealing with it takes more time and less money. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. Just, yeah. They're, just, they're all strange. You know, I'm probably going to go back and forth a thousand times before this we ever actually get to the Iowa caucus. Uh, but, man, I tell you what. You almost kind of feel like Biden's in a pretty good spot. And, and, and the reason be. be, you know, you have so many of these super left uh, Democrats in this race that they're going to eat each other's vote, you know. And, and I yeah, think but that, what is he going to do when he's on the stage? Yeah. And these folks are going oh, to I the left. What is he going to say? I, honestly, I mean, you know, there, it just depends. It depends if people are they just do they feel. And this is really what the question is. Are Democrats going to vote their heart, or are they going to vote strategy? And strategy, about the only person who can probably beat Trump in, in a general, you would think, is someone like a Joe Biden. Maybe. 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 But I'm saying probably with the best chance. Uh, I mean, again, a lot of things can happen, but uh, that'll be what's what's interesting. But he's, you know, uh, for most of the polls I've seen so far, he's got the lead uh, with Bernie Sanders coming up uh, the close second. And I just got to think that... You know, the, the Kamala Harris's and the Bookers and the Klobuchar's and the Warrens, the Tulsi Gabbard's and the Warrens are just going to start eating those those votes. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But like I said, I'll change my opinion, I'm sure, a few I thousand times. It. I'm loving then. it. It's, it's playing out just the way I thought it would play. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I, I told I told Russ several weeks ago that it was going to be highly entertaining 
when the debates started. Because oh, sure. the debates haven't really started. They've had a couple of town halls. But yeah, it was the first one in June. Yeah. Yeah. When we get there, then everybody's suddenly going to feel like I either get to the front of the pack or I'm going to be way in the back and out of the race. Yep. You know, you're going to be that guy that's going into the second turn of the derby, and all you see is everybody's butt. <laughs> it's going to be one of those things. It'll just be interesting to see, you know, how many they have, uh, how many they decide to put on stage at once. But at some point, you got to think when you're talking about uh, Medicare for all, what is it? What do you like? You know, you have a warrant that goes up there and says, I support Medicare for all. And then Booker's up there goes, what she said. And then, you know, Kamal's like, what he said. <laughs> and Biden says, I agree with all of them. Yeah. I mean, I, he's even all about yeah, Medicare yeah. for all. He's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It'll, um, yeah, it'll, everything you said is going to be fun to watch for sure. Well, by the way, a little, um, op ed here from me, uh, because it's sad. Sports story. Did you see where Omaha, yeah, uh, the the horse that won the Arkansas Derby and was going to the Kentucky Derby now is sick. Yeah, Omaha Beach and cannot run. Yep, that's bad. That's bad. And you feel for the folks at Oakland. I mean, it's always you know the Derby is such a uh, a great part of sort of Arkansas sports tradition, and we've always seen uh, you know some of the big big horses, obviously American Pharaoh, and yeah, we've and, done uh, some we've cigar and some of the others. Yeah, we've I mean, we've uh, done really well at the Derby. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's uh, that's disappointing for sure. Yeah, um, but you know it definitely opens up the the race now at this point as far as. Who who's next? Who's the favorite now? So. Yeah, are you going? Uh, are you going this weekend? Going to see the Clydesdales and stuff? No, I don't think in? I'm going to make it uh, down to Hot Springs this weekend. But it is going to be a party. It's going to be fun. It's going to be very festive. So yeah, I saw that one of the places to be for sure. I saw that they're opening the infield weather permitting right now. I'm not holding my breath. And might want to do that. You might need a snorkel to yeah, go out there. You might need to hold your breath if you're going to go out to the infield. Who knows what's going to happen? This weather in Arkansas, especially this time of year, is so wacky, but it looks very, very wet for the foreseeable future. I was talking to somebody who worked on the, at the racetracks for years, and they told me, because I, I said they were talking about going to the track on uh, tomorrow. And I said, well, it's going to be a muddy track. Yeah. It's going to be that way. So that's all right. I've ridden them on them before. And I said, that has to be disgusting. Yeah. To be, you know, have all those horses around you, you know, other seven, other eight, whatever. Yeah. And just all caked up. Said, you get done and you got to be running into the locker room, showering, cleaning it off, and putting on new silks. And getting ready to go out and do it all, do it again. all again. Uh yeah. You know what? Yeah, so the so the, it'll be a fun place to be though this weekend. So if you obviously the infield yeah, ain't, go. ain't working out. Have fun. Uh inside's a lot of fun. There's gonna be a lot of uh festivities going on down there. Well, that's so Cinco de Mayo. They said they're, right. they're celebrating right. Cinco de Mayo. You're gonna get some good tacos, yeah. I'm sure there. It'll be fun. Probably some good margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there'll be a combination of those. Yeah, if I had to raise if I had to think, I mean, the Kentucky Derby, they got the mint julep. Hey, we got margaritas. That's All right. right. Let's take a break real quick, and then we'll come back and talk with J.R. Davis. He's the spokesman for the governor's office. We got a story we want to talk about when we come back that's a, a, a local political story about 
you know, the different, uh, you know, departments being told to kind of freeze their spending right now until the reorganization's done. We'll talk about, uh, you know, how long is that going to last and when they think that the reorganization will be finished so they can start moving money around and all of that. That's all coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Jared Davis is here. So bring us up to date. Uh, the governor evidently is kind of putting a spending freeze on the departments until this whole reorganization thing is done. Uh, why is he doing it? How long do you think it's going to take? Well, so to speak. So we don't want to hamstring our agencies from their day-to-day, uh, uh, you know, business. And, you know, obviously if you've got to spend money on postage and things like that, or if there's been plans in the talk, uh, there's been uh, uh, plans in the works for, you know, IT and things like that, we certainly want them to be able to move forward with it. Really the biggest thing is, is you know, upcoming lease renewals, things like that, uh, any big um, – uh, you know, dollar requests, fleets, things like that. We want to make sure that we're the governor wants to ensure uh, the utmost flexibility for those incoming secretaries, uh, which he'll name towards the end of May. Uh, oh, okay. And so that you know, and so that's really what this is about. You don't want to make some drastic budget call uh, without the secretaries in place because it's going to be a big lift for them to kind of get. Uh, you know, a handle over all the different departments' budgets, uh, and and really, and the whole point of this is to be efficient, save taxpayer dollars, um, and and you know, be able to deliver services to the people of Arkansas in a more efficient manner. Uh, and a big part of that is the budget, and you don't want to have one department spending money on something that could service the entire cabinet. Okay. Um, uh, or, or I should say, a division within the department, you know, paying for an IT plan or renewing a lease when we're, we're trying to figure out the consolidations and things like that. So that's really what it is. Just wants to make sure that, you know, the governor kind of a uh, shot across the bow, if you will, to make sure that, hey, we're coming up at the end of the fiscal year. Uh, you may be planning to spend some money, but put a pin in it right now. Uh, we want to make sure we have kind of full stock of everything for our secretaries and they can get in there and really do the business that um, – uh, of of the legislation that was passed this session. So I'm just going to assume now that if you're the head of a organization and you're being told don't spend any money, might meet somebody else is going to be sitting in your chair. Well, no, I don't think I, – I, well, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm but, just thinking. Well, no, but I mean, I, I think that – I mean, sure, some people can take things however they want to take it, but right. I think those understand the process, and this has been a two-year – uh, pro- more than a two-year project, um, you know, what, what we're trying to do is say, okay, look, if it's the Department of Commerce and inside the Department of Commerce, you've got AADC and Workforce Services and, and so on and so forth, we want to make sure that uh, we're not creating uh, uh, duplications, you know, where that's what you've seen right now over uh, the course of the last several years. But with sure. this cabinet, uh, with these 42 different cabinets, they all have different, you know, IT and HR and, and things like that. We want to be able to say, okay, what, let's hold on. Let's see what we can do to service the entire department now with all the different divisions underneath the secretary. Uh, and, and that just makes the most sense. We don't want to go into the fiscal year with new contracts that we can't uh, get out of for another year. Uh, and so, and that's where you normally see you know, some of the departments towards the end of the fiscal year, you know, hang on to some of that money and then say, okay, we need this, this, and this. And some of them are absolutely needed. Uh, We've discussed them. They'll be able to move forward with it. Um, But for the most part, we want to say, okay, look, um, any plans you have right now, put it on hold, and then we can 
you know, come back together July 1 when all this uh, goes into effect and and plan accordingly. Uh, and really and truly, once the secretaries are named, they'll obviously uh, start to kind of uh, get a grasp on all the budgets and that sort of thing and, and plan accordingly as we move into July. All right. So is it like with state government, is it like when I was in the military and the budget would come in and I was the head of the radio and te- uh, television department and you look and you say, okay, how, we've got this much money left for this uh, this month, perhaps, which is more money than we typically have. Do you want us to spend on some things to take up that extra money so that when we go back and put the uh, the budget in for the next year, we can get that extra money along with what we had been getting? Well, I think in the past, uh, and I'm not talking about this particular administration, I think our all of our directors have been pretty good about making sure that we're turning money back, uh, okay. that we're not spending you know, the same way we have in the past. I That's mean, not remember, the way the military does it. I'm just telling you. They tell you to be ready to spend every red cent that's sitting there because if you don't yeah exactly you don't get it back exactly yeah and and you're right but when we're talking about these these cabinet agencies uh, i think the governor's been very uh, vocal and very clear from the get-go from 2015 on you know we had a one percent cut across the board and when you're talking about billions of dollars that's a significant amount mm-hmm. um and so we're and then of course we had uh, targeted cuts in different agencies and so it's always been the mindset of hey we can do more with less uh, let's make sure we're not spending money we don't need to and all that sort of thing. So I think the cabinet as a whole has done a really nice job with that. Uh, but obviously, when you're consolidating and you're going from 42 to 15, you want to be able to give those new incoming secretaries as much flexibility as possible. And we don't want the mindset to be, you know, the mindset should be, hey, if you went all year you know, spending less than what you were budgeted, that's great. Let's turn that back. Let's work within that, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and, and I think there's obviously it's it's sort of the uh, human nature, I think, to say, okay, let's spend what we've got so we don't get cuts in the future. Um, but uh, if we're, we're going to do uh, right by the taxpayers, uh, we need to make sure that we're looking at our budgets and saying, okay, we can do less or we can do more with less. We don't have to have the money we had the year before. That's how you start making a real difference. Um uh, in state government as far as spending goes. Um, but uh, again, th- but there are also some strategies too to say we're going to wait to spend that money towards the end of the year to make sure we have it uh, for real needs of the agency. Uh, and so so you just have to balance that. That's what it's about. And so if uh, an agency director uh, right now has some questions about an upcoming contract or lease renewal or something like that, uh, they'll be able to contact the uh, transformation transition team uh, that's working right now to get everything in place for July 1, and, and they'll be able to field those questions and help them through it. But right now, it's just sort of making sure everyone knows that transformation is very much a real thing. Uh, we're working on it, and we want to make sure that we have um, all the flexibility possible uh, for our secretaries when they come in so they can actually carry out the mission of transformation. All right. Keep that in mind because uh – It's kind of a balancing act. There really is a balancing act there. When I was in the military, I'd get a call from my commanding officer, which was a colonel, and he would say, Ellswick, you got an extra $30,000 in your budget that you haven't used. Good job on on, uh, being judicious, right? But you need to spend that that $30,000, so you've got a week. Yeah. And 
I'll tell you, one year I had to buy thirty thousand dollars worth of uh, of tape, um, you know, platters of tape, yeah. and I forget how much it was, but it, we had boxes stacked up in our offices for about two and a half years. Oh wow! We had enough tape to. <laughs> Yeah, to go for quite a while. Well, I certainly understand uh, that thinking, and you know, and I think that's the way it has been in state government, especially when you're dealing with the legislature and you have to go through the uh, biennium budget process. Yep. Uh, but you know, it's it's a different day, and, and we think we can do things better, uh, and and that's been the mindset from 2015 on, and now we actually get to implement true uh, transformation on on the entire scale. All right, we got the news, then we'll be back. You know, I got to ask you, have you ever wondered how uh, people get away with paying fewer taxes than everyone else, especially yourself? Well, if you want to know how that's being done, what you need to know is the little-known strategy that can help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis. David Lucas of David Lucas Financial will uh, go through that with you. This free analysis reveals the little-known strategies and loopholes that could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, your 401k, uh, your Social Security benefits, and more. So to get the free analysis, just be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. All right, 501-653-6690. It's your opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in retirement. Again, the number, 501-653-6690. Again, 501-653-6690. Sitting here in the uh, studio with me is J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman, and we were just sitting here watching Fox News, and the Baltimore mayor... Catherine Pugh has resigned amid this scandal that has uh, been swirling around her office for the last uh, few months. And uh, it was kind of interesting. They were reporting that she hasn't worked. She's been on medical leave since the beginning of April and supposedly recovering all that time from pneumonia. Now everybody thinks that what she was doing was trying to mount a defense for some very bad decisions on her part. Now, everybody knows, Jr. if you're an elected official, if there's a government project or something out there that people want to bid on, uh, if if you're the governor, let's just say, or, or one of the other constitutional officers, the last thing that you should do is take a check directly from a company that's sure. bidding on that uh, particular, uh, you know, work. What the, what the mayor did in Baltimore is she didn't do that. She just told him, you know, if you really want to be considered, if you'll buy 10,000 copies of my children's books that I've written, we'll see what we can do for you. Because yeah. I guess she thought if she didn't take a check directly, she wasn't, uh, you know, corrupt. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah, it's always. Uh, I should. I guess nothing should surprise us anymore. But uh, I guess the question is, you have start having a lot of these uh, uh, 
you know, companies that are <laughs> bidding on these projects all of a sudden come into ten, fifteen thousand in children's books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> from from the mayor. Uh, yeah, that's that starts to raise some red flags. It, yeah, I guess you you start to get creative. Uh, uh, not smart. Just yeah, creative. not yeah, creative, but not creative enough because you're still breaking the law. And evidently, the congressional delegation from Maryland weighed in uh, a few weeks back and. That's when the mayor knew that she had stepped in it, and it was still steaming yeah. when she stepped in it. The and, time has a come. Yeah, and uh, it just got done uh, to uh, that she resigned. And it says Chinese pharma billionaire Tao Zhao, I think is how he pronounces his name, paid $6.5 million to the college scandal leader Rick Singer. This gets deeper and deeper as it, as more and more comes out of it, six and a half million dollars. Yeah, it says uh, the Chinese billionaire paid that money to get his uh, daughter into Stanford as a, uh, I think they said a, a, a sailing recruit. <laughs> it's just a, Well, that's a, how it was yeah, a well, Lori Lawton was, uh, got. It was a row. Yeah, we were rowers. Yeah. yeah. They never rowed anything in their life. Yeah. Yep. They would show up. They would show up for practice. They said, and they'd be sitting there, and the, the rest of the team would look at them, and they said, don't worry about us. You guys go ahead and have fun. they just sit there. <laughs> wow. I don't get it. It just, it, I have argued for a long time, you don't have to go to college to be successful. And it's getting, now it's getting really pretty evident. There was a story that came out yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, But the ACT, more and more people are scoring perfect scores. And what they're figuring out is all these uh, college preparatory classes that you can take, not classes, the tests, the the companies that teach your kid how to take an ACT test have now made it where kids can go and not know the material, just know how to beat the test. And they're beating it. And they're beating it bad. Hmm. And they're and you know they said that just let's say you scored twenty one is the average student, right? And let's say you score twenty five. That's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars of free financial aid. So, you know, you pay seventy five hundred bucks for your kid to go to one of these schools. Uh, and you you meet on a on a Saturday for two months, and you get to take fake tests and stuff and learn how to do it. Yes, that's worth it, huh? I guess seventy five hundred so. bucks, and you get a hundred thousand uh, back, and that's a that's pretty good payback. Yeah. But it, it destroys the credibility yeah, of the ACT, the, and it's happening with the SAT as well. Well, the integrity of the ACT, the integrity of college admissions. I mean, you've got so many parents, and it's, you know, society's done it. You get your kid into a Harvard or a Stanford or, or one of the, you know, I think we UCLA was a big part of it. Uh, you know, it opens up doors, and that's sort of the mentality. It's not, you know, what you do and how hard you work for it. Uh, it's if you have the money, uh, you can provide your – uh, kids with something that they don't deserve, uh, and that other kids from um, different socioeconomic less classes, a, yeah, less affluent uh, backgrounds, yeah, uh, aren't able uh, to do the same thing, and and so yeah, it's uh, 
it's like you said this is it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and it really is a shame uh, because i think it's sort of like steroids in baseball for the longest time you start questioning you know did did this player do it uh based on their talents or did they have some help and that's sort of the same thing um that you know i think people are starting to look at with whether it's act scores or just college admissions in general because this is widespread this isn't these, no this isn't it's a, not just not small you know, there's this been a big. few people that get the you know the spotlight because of you know who they are and what happened but this thing this thing is widespread with with lots and lots of different families uh and so we'll be talking about this for a long time yeah where i'm seeing it happen the most has been in the ivy league mm-hmm UCLA, USC, and Stanford. That's all in California, all right? They're, they're uh, bending the rules for uh, just hard, cold cash. Yeah. And I don't know if that money is going, and this is what would be interesting. Is it going to just a person that can bend the rules, or is it going to a person who turns it over to an administrator who bends the rules? Yeah, I mean, and and again, that's that's a that's such a big part of of college and universities all across the country is you know the fundraising. Uh, everybody has sort of that private arm uh, that, mm-hmm. that fundraises for the college, and and it, and it just you got you, at some point you start looking at it as you know that yes, I understand that you know higher education and, and these uh, universities they're they're businesses. I get that, but at some point, you know. But the, how the much mission, money right? do What's they the really here? need? Exactly. To, to do the job that they're supposed yeah. to do. And, uh, and then what happens? I mean, you know, if you're if if I if I was a UCLA grad, uh, a recent grad, right, and you start wondering uh, how much of uh, how much does this taint your diploma? Well, maybe what you worked your entire life for, right, to get that diploma in that degree to get a good paying job. When does that start to uh, hurt the integrity of that diploma and, and the institution itself, and I think you're probably going to start seeing that. Uh, but but that would man, you talk about someone who worked their entire lives to get into that school, uh, who had the grades, who did it the right way, and then uh, you know seeing all this take place. It's that's yeah, when you be find out mommy and daddy are in Hollywood and they got they bought your way sure. in and bought your way through those the Lawton girls, the twins. Uh, hardly ever attended class yeah one of them was down in the um in fiji i think it was when classes were going on yeah she was partying in fiji and she she even admitted i guess on facebook or something i'm in college for uh i forget it was for it was for three letters but it had to do with drinking you know drugs and sex basically yeah and not rock and roll right right (laughs) yeah and this is this is what's crazy right i mean again it goes back to uh there's nothing wrong with with you know having money and and, and giving your kid the the best advantage possible you know you send them to the right schools you get them the tutors that sort of thing but at some point it has to be based off what the student does oh yeah And, and and so i have no problem with someone having money and giving their kids that best opportunity i'd do the exact same thing if i had that uh opportunity sure but to say that you know you have and it's almost you know, parents because I've heard the argument that these parents are just doing whatever other parent it would do if they had the chance right but but what happened at the beginning you know what happened you know in preschool and 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 the right school you want to send them to and the tutors and and you know maybe uh, uh, tutors throughout the summer I mean if that's if that's your ultimate goal right you know why didn't that start at the beginning so I have no problem with with giving your kid uh, a leg up 
uh, in the right way if you have the means to do it. But but this just, I mean, it, it, you know, it's unbelievable it's, to say the least. They're buying. Yeah, it's it disgusting. Yeah, that's exactly. what they're doing. They're buying it off. All right, got to get a break in. Don't forget about PI Roofing Home Solutions. Uh, they bought Tommy's Gutter Cleaning Services, so now you can check off that box that says uh, cleaning the gutters, and you don't have to do it. You can just give a call to PI Roofing Home Solutions. They'll take care of it, and uh, they've been known about their quality and professional work for years, uh, decades, in fact, on uh, roofing, and now they opened up their home repair side of the business where if you had damages done by a leak uh, coming into your home, they'll come in and, and fix all of those problems because it's really hard to get a you know a contractor to come in and do a, what it, for them is a small deal when they uh, are asked to just do one ceiling in a bedroom or something. So that's where PI Roofing comes in now. PI Roofing and Home Solutions now keeps your gutters clean, keep your roof 100%, and keep the inside of your home 100%. Just go to piroofing.com to find out all the information. All right, back. Let's uh, finish it up for today. And let me just ask you, what do you think about, uh, you know, Maduro and Venezuela right now? This is getting pretty ugly over there. Did you see some of the video from over there of the the army trucks running people down in the streets? Yeah, I did. And I mean, I mean, how how long? You know, there's been some senators and and house members calling for for direct intervention over there by the U.S. military. I'm not there yet. I think that we can do like for instance the french did during the revolutionary war uh, maybe we can get weapons into those people this is a really good cautious story about venezuela when you look at 2012 they took all the guns from people now you know why it's important to have guns That's a good point you know so bottom line is um i'm not willing to sacrifice any american fighting men for this yet it's startling. I mean, I, obviously, we live in a day now where yeah, you can turn on the television, 24-hour news, and, and see some uh, very disturbing images. I think for Americans uh, sitting at home looking at this, uh, you know, it's sort of, uh, well, I guess we've all be, been desensitized to some degree at this point in our lives, but uh, it, it's sort of a gripping uh, seen uh, to see what's happening over there. But, you know, I agree with you. I think you have to be very, very careful uh, before you um, inject uh, American soldiers uh, into issues like this. Uh, but it's something certainly worth following, and I know a lot of people are. I mean, I understand right. the argument because the only two countries standing behind Maduro, because everybody knows the election was a sham mm-hmm. they know that's that that that's true but if they're the only two people standing behind uh, a regime like this like syria russia was the only country standing behind them although i do think that china was playing some uh, some games there and turkey is the other you know um you don't want another Syria, and you sure as heck don't want it in our hemisphere. 
Don't want that happening. I mean, we almost went to nuclear war back in the 60s with the Cubans. And now we're dealing with the Cubans again because a lot of the troops that are there backing Maduro are Cuban troops. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those things where, um, you know, you know better than I, but I mean, it's one of those things where you've got to, you, you learn from history, you make sure that you, you're more you're supposed cautious. To. You're supposed, supposed to. to. Um, and, and use caution uh, when you start, you know, it's, it's it's always emotional, right? You know, I think especially for, for members of Congress, they have the platform for those that are calling for, uh, you know, uh, American uh, uh calling for us to get involved with this i think that you know i don't know it's it's hard for me to sort of formulate an opinion on this because i do i see both sides but i also uh i'm a fan of history and and i think it's important to not rush into anything um because america has uh, i think a long track record of of getting involved with something and 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 not you know having a good exit strategy yeah and so i think it's just it's it's something that I think we have to continue to monitor, um, but we have to be very cautious in what steps we take uh, to, to get involved with something like that. I'm just going to say the biggest story, the biggest part of this is the gun confiscation that took place under Hugo Chavez back in 2012. I mean, I remember uh, when they were having uh, big gun burning ceremonies in uh, Venezuela, and, uh, you know, uh, Chavez was telling the people, the military and the police will protect you, and we'll take care of all the bad guys out there. And so they, people were willingly bringing their guns, and they, you know, and, and this was only seven years ago, and it makes me go back a, a, a Maybe I forget exactly when it was, 20, 30 years ago, when Tiananmen Square happened. Mm. You know, that only went so far because those people didn't have guns. You don't have guns. You have no way of, uh, you know, taking on the power to be that has all the guns. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. It's uh uh, it kind of makes our founding fathers look really smart, doesn't right, it? Doesn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's something to. Um, it's certainly startling to see the images and to see the video, uh, and and obviously going back to what you said, the gun confiscation. And it's crazy when you said that. I guess in my mind, but yes, just just seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it, it, it don't it, take uh, long. No, it doesn't take long at all. So. There's yeah. a lot of news going on right now. Too, yeah, and it's kind of international news, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. And it just goes to show you how lucky we are, uh, for the most part, that we're a free country. I won't say that we're as free as we were when I was first born or that when my dad was born. But I will say that we're freer than a lot of other countries are to pursue what we want to do. Oh, sure. I think we take a lot of things for granted on a daily basis. Um, and, and I mean, obviously, I mean, so do I. But but it's just interesting, you know, from the time you wake up and the time you go to bed, the freedoms that we enjoy here in America that a lot of folks across the, uh, across the globe uh, don't have. And, you know what really blew me away? There's a, a picture. I think it was Monday's front page in Monday's Dim Gas. You may have seen it. It was Beak. And they've been hit by two typhoons and in in two weeks. And there was a little boy standing at the end of a gutter getting a drink of water. And I just thought, yeah. 
Think about that. We get up and take for granted just turning on the faucet every day, yeah. and the water's there, and it's like, and, it, and it's clean, and we don't think nothing about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are certainly uh, some huge issues in in our country, uh, and I think there's a lot of. Uh, you know, impoverished families and things, you know, there's, there's families that deal with things that I'll never, I'll never experience and, and can never quite understand uh, what they go through on a daily basis. But I think America as a whole, you pointed to it. I mean, you could, you could sit here and rattle off, you know, thing after thing that we take for granted on a daily basis. Uh, like you said, just man, turning on the faucet and getting running water, water and, and water that's not going to kill you if you drink yeah. it. And um, yeah, I mean, it really is astounding. And so the things that we go through on a on a daily basis, our stresses, uh, the things that we worry about, are man, it just really puts things in perspective. I think so. You're yeah. blessed, folks. You won you won the biggest lottery in the world. You were married. Yep. Married. You were <laughs> you were born in the United States of America. That's a big lottery to win, just yeah, really to be is. honest with you. All right. With that said, we're out of time. Appreciate you coming in, show. brother. Yeah. Lots yeah. of lots of stuff to talk about. Oh yeah. There is a lot of things to talk about. I'll see you next Thursday. And hopefully it'll be dry. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I yeah. I hope it's been dry for several days. The sun. <laughs> 85 degrees. That's I'm waiting for it. I want to open my pool up. Can't do it right now. Get the pool just walking outside. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Back in a month. I've got a, I'm going to put this up on my uh, Facebook post. I just got this from uh, the folks in Daily Caller. And uh, Elizabeth, be kind of watching out for this. I'll send it to you. We'll post it. You can let me know when it's, uh, it's up and people can go watch it. Uh, the folks went out to talk uh, to talk to people in Washington, D.C. And here was the question, Russ. Who would you date, a Trump supporter or an MS-13 gang member? The answer for most of them, I think... All of them but one? Uh, I'm, I'm going to figure that most of them said MS-13. That's right. All but one. MS-13. They have no brain. They just have no brain at all. We're turning into zombies. Yeah, well, we're turning into DAs. <laughs> Sheeple. We've already turned into them, it seems like to me, doesn't it? Man, that's just amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. I mean, that... At least if I said MS-13, I'd be laughing, right? Just so everybody knew I was joking. But uh, these people were dead serious. So Elizabeth, who listens to the show daily to try to figure out what kind of crazy something I'm talking about, I'll send this to you. It's a piece of video, girl. You can put it up. We'll get it on uh, Get it on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Facebook page, which a lot of you are watching on today. How you doing? Good to have you with us. Sticking with us. Hey, that rabbi who interfered in the shooting at uh, Shabbat Synagogue in Poway, California last week, applauded President Trump today during a White House event marking the National Day of Prayer. Rabbi Goldstein, whose finger was blown off as he attempted to stop the man who opened fire at the synagogue last Saturday, said the president was the first person to help him begin healing after the horrific event. 
He says, you heal people in their worst of times, and I'm so grateful for that, Goldstein said after Trump invited him to say a few words at the podium. I faced evil and the worst darkness of all time right in our own house of worship. I faced him and I had to make a decision. Do I run and hide or do I stand tall and fight and protect all those that are there? We cannot control what others do, but we can control how we react. It was that moment that I made a decision, no matter what happens to me, I am going to save as many people as possible. I should have been dead by now based on the rules of statistics. I was in the line of fire, bullets flying all the way. My fingers got blown off, but I didn't stop. Gosin said he hopes a shooting will result in public schools bringing back a moment of silence so that children from early childhood on could recognize that there is more good to the world, that they are valuable, that there is accountability, and that every human being is created in God's image. He then concluded by thanking the president. I also want to thank the United States of America. I'd like to thank our dear, honorable Mr. President for being, as they say in Yiddish, a man. Par excellence. Mr. President, when you called me, I was at home weeping. You were the first person who began my healing. You heal people in their worst of times, and I'm so grateful for that. Cohen was joined at the event by Army veteran Oscar Stewart and Border Patrol agent Jonathan Morales, who also interfered with the shooter. Stewart ran to the sound of gunshots and chased the shooter out to his car, at which point Morales came running out to the parking lot with a gun and opened fire on the vehicle, attempting to stop the shooter's escape. Now, Stewart, a vet, said that his training from the time that he was in 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 Iraq took over. He didn't have a gun on him. He just started, he just ran at the shooter and uh, he said, I was making as mean of a face as I could and yelling as loud as I could. And he startled the gunman and the gunman turned and, uh, well, he dropped a rifle and he turned to run away and he was running to his car. The shooter was, and that's when Morales came out of the building. He passed up uh, at that point, Stewart. And he had a firearm, and he opened fire on the vehicle, attempting to stop the shooter's escape. Stewart and Morales also said a few words, echoing the rabbi's positive remarks. Quote, we need to be strong as a group of people that love God. Whether you call him Muhammad, whether you call him Shiva, we need to be strong to defeat evil, said Stewart. Do not be afraid to be who you are. Be proud and lift yourself up. Morales added, we were attacked with our backs turned, but brave people stood up and confronted this person, and we ended the situation the best we could with the resources we had. And like I said, quote, I would like to use a quote. In order to fight these random acts of violence, We must continue to do random acts of kindness. 
So to stop the violence, you need to counter with kindness. And to all of us, keep doing good deeds, and we will overcome this evilness. So uh, pretty interesting to me about what the uh, the people were doing uh, on this. I wanted to talk a little bit more about what's going on uh, in in Venezuela because it is a sad situation there right now. Um, I don't know if you've been watching the uh, the news uh, about uh, the uprising, what is happening. Uh, there and did you did you watch any of the video, uh, Russ, of the people that were being run down by those military trucks? It's it's disgusting, and it just shows you that Maduro is just a ten horn dictator. He and uh, you know to help him, he brought in several thousand Cuban troops, and these people were running people over, just running them down was watching it and it's it's hard to watch and and there's several things to be learned out of all of this uh, fox business uh posted a uh an article but uh julie Littitone, uh out of latin america saying how trump can use military force to topple maduro's regime Venezuelan dictator Nicolas Maduro is still in power in Venezuela. President Trump said he would help them a little bit and maybe a lot, depending to help Juan Guaido into the presidential palace during an interview on Fox Business yesterday. But what did the president mean by this? Is military action on the table? Retired four-star Army General Jack Keane during an appearance on Varney and Company today, said he thought the administration was still working on a peaceful transition. Quote, well, first of all, I think for the time being, they're still trying to work on a peaceful transition. And obviously, the administration thought they were pretty close to that, as Ambassador Bolton told us a couple of days ago on international television when he said the three key actors were willing to turn against Maduro and then change their mind and actually call them out on TV. Quite remarkable. Never seen anything quite like that, he told Stuart Varney. But General Keene said there are several ways in which President Trump can use military force to allow Guaido to take over in Venezuela. Uh, One, I think the options for the president are right in front of him. I'm not suggesting I know everything. I don't ask questions like that. I'm just speculating based on my own experience. He can bring some U.S. forces and stage them in Colombia, and with the implication, obviously, that they're going to be used inside of Venezuela. That may, in and of itself, change the minds of some of their leaders in terms of who they want to support. General Keene said, the second option is to move into Venezuela with a coalition of forces, specifically Colombia and Brazil, in order to provide humanitarian relief. 
it would be non-permissive in the sense that anybody that tried to interfere with it would have to be dealt with similar to what we did back in Somalia in the 90s. And by saying that, I think you can tell from his statement that doesn't mean that there would be it would be a peaceful thing going on, that bad things couldn't happen. We all know what happened in Somalia uh, under Bill Clinton back in the 90s. That was a humanitarian relief operation initially, uh, he said. That's keen uh, talking about it. Another option is just go in there with an invasion with the purpose of conducting a regime change. However, Keene noted that the Trump administration faces the challenge that if Maduro would survive, it would increase the Russian and Cuban influence in that hemisphere. And see, that that's what um, Senator Scott from Florida was talking about yesterday and having another Somalia. If you're going to go in, you got to go in to make sure you get him so that Russia and Cuba don't hold sway. Don't want that to happen. That makes a makes things just a bigger mess. The strate- uh, strategic issues here are significant because we've had Putin with his leaders in Venezuela advising Maduro every single day on what to do. So he's conducting a military intervention. He's put a private company force in there that he's used in in the Crimea. He's used also. This uh, group in Syria, the Wagner Group, 400 of them in there in January. Why? To protect Maduro. Two, he's got his own advisors in there with Maduro every single day. That is a military intervention in our hemisphere, and we all obviously have 20,000 Cubans doing that. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told Fox Business that military action is possible in Venezuela if that's what's required. And again, going back to what Scott said, Senator Scott, you can't leave 20,000 Cuban troops there. You can't allow Russian advisors to be there to cause all kinds of uh, craziness there in Central America. And uh, they're watching that situation very closely. And But when you've got people that are driving over other people in military vehicles, the time to make a decision is at is here. you got to do it. Hey, don't forget about my good friend, uh, Allstate agent Dwayne Smith, who has his own uh, All-State Insurance Agency. It's Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. And here's what he's asking. It's not a big ask for you. It's going to save you money probably. If you'll just call them over at Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency at 501-819-0373, uh, they'll make an appointment for you to come over with uh, and talk to Dwayne or one of his professionals. And bring all of your insurance, your life insurance, your home insurance, your car insurance, motorcycle, boat, whatever you got insured, bring it with you. And let one of these folks sit down and look at what you have and then show you what Allstate will do for you. 
I can tell you this much. They're going to get rid of uh, Mr. Mayhem. You won't have to deal with him. Their location, 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. But call, make your appointment, 501-819-0373. See how much the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency can save you. All right. Latest on Venezuela. The um, Venezuela's top court has ordered the arrest of Leopold Lopez, an opposition activist who took refuge in the Spanish embassy after joining an attempt to topple President Nicolas Maduro this week. The Supreme Tribunal of Justice on uh, uh, this morning instructed police to detain Lopez for violating terms of his house arrest. Back on Tuesday, Lopez appeared outside a military base in Caracas with opposition leader Juan Guaido, who urged the military to overthrow Maduro. When the military did not heed the call, Lopez and his family sought refuge in the Chilean ambassador's residence. They later moved to the Spanish embassy. Lopez was previously detained for leading anti-government protests in 2014 and had been under house arrest for two years. Former Venezuelan politician and UN ambassador Diego Arias says he believes the events of the past two days mark the end of President Nicolas Maduro's regime. Area, a former National Congress deputy, minister, and governor of Caracas who now lives in exile, told a press conference at UN headquarters in New York, it is incorrect to think of the military as separate from Maduro's regime. Quote, when you have more than half of the ministries controlled by the army and they control the oil, the diamonds, the coal, the minerals, the gasoline, and the justice and economic system, you have to understand that fundamentally the regime is military. So what has to collapse is the regime itself. He went on to say that Venezuela has become a criminal state controlled by a mafia and narco-traffickers, and it will not come out of this without the use of force. I hope it will be our armed forces, and we don't need to appeal to the outside, said Iria, who backs opposition leader Juan Guaido as Venezuela's legitimate president. Earlier this morning, U.S. President Donald Trump said the brutal repression of the Venezuelan people must end and it must end soon. He says the Venezuelan people are starving and have no water. We wish them well, he said. Trump was speaking as part of the National Day of Prayer ceremony. He began the event by saying he was sending prayers to the people of Venezuela in their righteous struggle for freedom. Venezuela in the throes of a power struggle between socialist president Nicolas Maduro and opposition leader Juan Guaido.
Maduro's government is widely blamed for the country's economic and humanitarian crisis, but has managed to keep a grip on power. And then finally, a Venezuelan human rights group says at least four people died in two days of protests after opposition leader Juan Guaido called for a military uprising. The Venezuelan Observatory of Social Conflict says the dead from the unrest on Tuesday and Wednesday include two people who were shot in the city and two others that were hit by gunfire in Caracas. Human rights activists say at least 230 people were injured, 205 were detained, and Guaido's call on Tuesday for an uprising by the armed forces to oust President Maduro went unheeded. So that's where we're at right now. Keep you up on this because this is a big deal. Okay. If you'll come over here, Ross, I know you just walked out of the studio, but I just got a confirmation for David Horowitz, and I've got his number. So I'm going to give that to you. I don't want to read it on the air, but there it is. Give him a call, and we'll talk to him about how the— Yeah, right now he's ready. He's standing and waiting to talk to us. And I evidently didn't get an email that was sent to me, but bottom line— we're going to get David Horowitz on here for a moment, and we're going to talk to him about the uh, the battle against Christianity in our uh, in our country now. And anybody who doesn't believe there's not a battle going on about uh, against the church hasn't been paying any attention. So uh, we're looking to hear uh, from David Horowitz in in just a moment. He's going to join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, while I've got a moment, let me remind you about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. You've heard me talking about RD and uh, Sonny's, his business, and all the good things they've done uh, with me and uh, finding me a couple of engines and a transmission and then their labor force taking care of putting it in, getting those uh, guarantees on the parts, the standard warranties, the one, two, three-year warranties on all their parts, that you'll get uh, with Sonny's Auto Salvage, plus you'll save a whole lot of money. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Their phone number, 982-7451. That's 982-7451. I can speak from experience. They do the job for you at Sonny's Auto salvage so keep that in mind uh four o'clock robert steinbach's going to be here we got a lot of talk about dealing with a uh, attorney general Barr and and the whole thing about now the the house saying they're going to bring him up on contempt and all the rest and pelosi saying that that Barr lied and uh, they don't offer any any evidence of that he lied uh just really interesting all right Okay, so uh, David Horowitz is going to join us. Let's get him up on the line. Hey, David, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, you've got a new book out, uh, and it is The War on uh, on Christianity, War on the Christian Church here in America. I've been Uh, saying— No, war, but more importantly, it's the war on Christian America. Okay, Christian America. You know, I'm a Jew, and I'm an agnostic. 
and I'm a former radical. But I, this book, the, at the heart of this book, is the observations, the, the truth that America, everything we hold dear in American principles, equality, inclusion, tolerance, of having checks and balances, they're all Christian ideas. This country was created by Protestant Christians and could only really have been created by Protestant Christians. It's a direct product of the Reformation. The, the idea of equality, for example, comes from the Protestant idea of the priesthood of all believers, which creates an immediate equality. Every uh, individual created by God confronts God one-on-one. You don't have to go through a church um, because the reformers recognize that churches are human institutions. Mm -hmm. So they're subject to the same corruptions that all human institutions are because of our corruption. And it's a fundamental difference between left and right. People on the left think people are born good and something called society, which is a complete fiction. There is no such thing. It's just who we all are, um, corrupts them. And therefore, they don't see that the, the biggest danger comes from the revolutionaries and the, and the government of politicians, because they're the same people who corrupt the earth, and yet they have much more power. Well, you know, so they're all Christian perceptions. And the assault on Christianity, I say this now as having been through the radical movement, that they hate Christians because they hate America. Oh, yeah. The same hatred. Yeah, I and I agree with everything you just said. The thing that I don't understand is their philosophy says that man is good and has been corrupted by outside influences. I say that there can be all kinds of outside influences, and if there's not a problem inside you, you'd never, you'd never, uh, you know, pay attention Correct. to those outside influences. Correct. So uh, they got a flawed argument as far as I'm concerned. And, as, uh, and the biggest liars and the biggest haters in our country are all progressives. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get over where we've got to in this country. Just watching them, they lie. Every, everything that comes out of their mouths is a lie and an obvious one. Well, you know, it just, it's kind of depressing where we are at this moment in our country. Well, I agree with that as well, and they're projectionists as well. All the things they say is wrong with Christianity, Judeo-Christianity, is the things that they stand against, completely against, and and that they are. They project what they are on us. I, th- I think the, the, the point, the turning point is going to be abortion. Uh, I never thought I'd live to see a day when the Democratic Party would support a law to kill a child that's already been born. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I just, I still, you can tell, I mean, I'm still in a state of shock, but it exposes, I mean, this, the, the murder of the innocent is just terrible. Well, absolutely. But, you know, Francis Schaeffer warned us about that back in the 70s, and we didn't listen. You know? yeah, well, I, I think it's coming to a head. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, I, I sure hope so, because if it uh, if we don't stop there, then it's just a matter of time 
when everybody says, well, we only have so many resources and, uh, you know, those younger yeah, people, kill people. Yeah, kill well, the old people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've, they've started it. You're exactly right. They're euthanasian. Uh, are are doing all of that? Did you happen to read the story about Norway? You know they've they've made uh, assisted suicide uh, legal there three years ago, and in three years, in there in the number of people who die every year now, twenty five percent die by assisted suicide. Wow, that's crazy. I'm not aware of that, but it doesn't surprise me about the Scandinavians. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on that. And now you hear people, they want to be like the Scandinavians. You know, let's have socialism Scandinavian style. You know, they, they do it the right way, as though somebody can do socialism the right way. Uh, let's talk a little further. I mean, Madeline Murray O'Hare was able to get prayer out I'm, of schools and I, whatnot. Were you aware, before you read my book, about what a crazy... Um, communist she was. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, uh, just just for your listeners, um, part of my book, Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America, describes how they drove religion out of the schools and then out of the public square. So Americans now go through public education. They can't know where their freedoms came from. You can't tell a kid in, in a public school that the pilgrims were Christians who were fleeing religious persecution. If they don't know that, how, how do they understand that religious liberty is the foundation of all of our liberties? Uh, they can't. Yep. Yeah, I I agree. I remember when I was a kid and I I uh, had to, to put together a, a diorama of uh, what the pilgrims' village looked like at Plymouth. And, uh, you know, I built little houses and showed how they lived. And then I did a little thing about how they believed. And it's really amazing. You talk to a young person today, they have no concept of what I'm even talking about. And it's not been that long. So they can't defend their own freedoms. It's like, uh, well, I I got a little distracted from Madeline Murray O'Hare. But she, her, her suit, which the Supreme Court passed uh, was to um, ban Bible reading. I mean, obviously, the Bible wouldn't be around today if it wasn't a wise book. Yes. It's less, <laughs> and uh, so, But you can't read that if you're in, in school. But this woman, right before she began her campaign against Bible reading in the schools, she took her family, her two sons, to Europe and uh, to defect to the Soviet Union in the heyday of communism. She was a communist. Um, she believed that America, and, the, and the, the Kremlin actually rejected her because they saw she was a crazy person. But the Supreme Court um, dignified her suit and, um, to, in order to attack religion. Now, I mean, that, that, that sort of sums up the problem. Yeah, you know, you and I have grown up in this great nation, and now, and I, I mentioned this in the first hour. You know, I look and I talk about the, America is still free. However, it's not as free as it was when I was a kid, and it it was definitely not as free when I was a kid as it was when my father was a kid. It's 
the left has been chipping away at it all the time and taking away our freedoms. And what's really sad well, about this is that we are giving them up willingly. Well, here's the thing. Um, I think the left has been at this now for 50 or 60 years. And conservatives have been pretty much asleep. Uh, they let the left, they took over our universities, they've taken over our K-12 schools, um, and they've shut down free speech. Um, and conservatives really didn't lift a finger. I mean, I know this personally because when I came out of the left, I saw what a menace it was, and I have been in this battle, and it felt pretty lonely uh, for the last 30 years. But since Obama... Conservatives have begun to wake up. And uh, I describe in the book how evangelicals uh, woke up because of Roe v. Wade. That, that's when the religious right really came into being. My, my concern is that I know a lot of Christians are averse to politics altogether. And, you know, we can't afford to lose this battle. We won't have any religious freedoms. We won't have any freedoms for these people are through. If you um, think about the Green New Deal, which is not socialism, it's communism. Yeah. <laughs> um, think about, just take one of the planks. You know, for, they put a gun to your head and say the world is going to end in 12 years if we, if we, if we don't get uh, you know, CO2 emissions to zero. I understand that Beto O'Rourke just said it's 10 years. Yeah, he, anyway, he's running to the left of AOC. Of gasoline cars within 10 years. Now, just stop for a moment and think. How many gasoline cars are there in the United States? 250 million, maybe, maybe more? Mm-hmm. People are attached to their cars. And what you're going to do, you're going to take their cars away which is going to cost them a lot of money. Um, and you're going to force them to drive electric cars, which they, they've already rejected. I mean, they don't own Priuses. And Priuses will be illegal anyway because they have gas. How could you do that? How could you confiscate or force them to give up their 250 million cars without instituting a police state? You couldn't. And if you ask... Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, when they ask her, how are you going to fund this? How are you going to do this? Oh, Second World War. Uh, you know, uh, we'll have a wartime mobilization. Yeah, that's when they put, uh, when actually the liberals put 120,000 Japanese into internment camps. That's just what we want to live under, a, a military government. They're communists, they're totalitarians, they're very dangerous people. And that, that right now is the whole Democratic Party. Yeah, and I would agree with you. Dark Agenda is the name of the book. David Horowitz was our guest. David, I've got to move on. I thank you for being part of the well, David. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate you being on. Let's do it again, shall we? Okay, my book is at, uh, you can get it at Amazon or, or frontpagemagazine.com. All right. We Thank appreciate you so much. Thank appreciate you, David. Bye bye now. David Horowitz. And uh, he has been fighting the left since I was a young man. His parents were communists. They raised him in that ideology. 
And uh, later on in his 30s, he finally rejected it. As you heard him say, this book, which deals with the war on Christianity and how important Christianity is to this country, the man is an agnostic. He does, you know, he thinks God doesn't really care about what's going on the earth, but he does know this, that getting rid of ideas has consequences. You should pick up a copy of Dark Agenda, get it from Amazon, and read it today. All right, let's get back, finish up uh, this hour. Coming up next hour, Robert Steinbach's going to be on I'll be talking to him about this and Nadler, the story I'm getting ready to talk about, and then Nadler uh, saying that he's going to try to charge the AG, uh, you know, with not showing up in Congress. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi today accused Attorney General William Barr of committing a crime by lying to Congress about Robert Mueller's report and Mueller's issues with how Barr has characterized the special co- uh, counsel's findings. Said uh, the uh, speaker, what is deadly serious about it is the Attorney General of the United States of America is not telling the truth to the Congress of the United States, and that's a crime. Pressed again about the accusation, Pelosi said he lied to Congress. Notice she's not saying what the lie was. She's just saying he lied to Congress. Uh, if anybody else did that, it would be considered a crime. Nobody is above the law. Asked whether Barr should go to jail, the Speaker responded that, quote, there's a process involved here, unquote. In a statement in response, Justice Department spokeswoman Carrie Cuppock said Pelosi's, quote, baseless attack on the Attorney General is reckless, irresponsible, and false. Pelosi comments appeared to reference answers Barr gave during House testimony last month. Lawmakers asked him about repeated frustrations Mueller's team had with a summary the Attorney General wrote about the special counsel's report. Barr said he was not aware of concerns the Mueller team had about his summary, but news reports revealed this week that Mueller had written a letter to Barr expressing concerns about how the Attorney General depicted the substance of the report before the Attorney General testified. Here is the exchange from an April 9th hearing that apparently sparked Pelosi's accusation. Representative Charlie Crist, Democrat of Florida. Reports have emerged recently, General, that members of the special counsel's team are frustrated at some level with the limited information included in your March 24th letter. Do you know what they are referencing with that? Barr says, no, I don't. I think, I think, I suspect that they probably wanted more put out, but in my view, I was not interested in putting out summaries. The comment from the highest-ranking Democrat in the country intensifies the party's criticism of the top U.S. law enforcement official. While Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Schumer have accused Barr of protecting Trump and having a conflict of interest, neither lawmaker has previously gone as far as alleging a crime. So Pelosi has so far resisted calls to impeach the president, which have intensified following the release of Mueller's redacted report. Schumer, meanwhile, is writing a letter to Barr questioning the Attorney General's views on executive power, particularly his suggestion that a president 
could end an investigation if they feel they are falsely accused. NBC News reported that. The senator wrote that, quote, if these views are truly your views, you do not deserve to be attorney general. When Robert gets here, we'll talk further about this because some of this stuff is truly getting out of hand and people are saying things that are not true at all. They are making things up. I guess that shouldn't surprise me. They've been doing it for years now. Shouldn't surprise anybody. And I mean, they were doing it even when Obama was president. You know, the Democratic Party's uh, modus operandi is to say whatever they want to say and then challenge you to prove them wrong. And even if you do, they'll tell you you're still lying. A break, and then we're back with Robert Steinbach. Yeah, no, I put that one in. Tell, I'm telling uh, Robert about the tornado shelter that we have at the uh, the Ellswick Mansion. Oh, it's a mansion. Yeah, yeah. And, and we know it's a mansion, Dave, because yeah, you're the... I'm, I'm in the right, and uh, I, I I do radio, which pays enormous sums of money. But and you're missing the most important part. Yeah. You are the beneficiary of white, white privilege. privilege. I, I forgot about that. That's, for, that was the first thing, For, for all white your privilege. listeners, uh, I recommend you go down to the bank, walk in, just walk in. You don't need an account. Go down to any bank and say, I'm the beneficiary of white privilege. Please give me some money. Yeah. yeah. Give me a couple mil. Give me a couple mil. Yeah. Just be prepared that you might get arrested because they think you're robbing the place. <laughs> yeah, white privilege. Oh, yeah lots, yeah, lots of privilege. Oh, yeah. Okay. But this this storm shelter I bought, I uh, I don't even know the company that makes it. I can just tell you that it, you can shoot it with a fifty caliber handgun, rifle, and right. it will not be able to penetrate wow. it. As, as well as uh, it's put, it sits on the floor, on the slab directly, and they got 16 bolts that go through it right? and through the slab. And then they open up after they go through and then they, they tighten them down. Right. So it ain't going anywhere. The right. door opens in right? so that when the storm is passed, if your house has been destroyed and it fell in on top of it, you can open it inside so mm. you can still get out. Interesting. Interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a great uh, thing. Uh, you, oh, Okay, so you say you want to know four grand. That's not bad. No. it's not bad And, you know, I think it's money well spent. Sure. Because today I'm sitting here doing my show, and I'm hearing about tornado warnings, which, and then when you say warning, that means there's a tornado on the ground, That's okay, right. Right. in Cabot. And I go, well, I don't have to worry about Linda, because right. I called her. I said, where are yeah. you? She goes, I'm in the shelter. I'm in the shelter. I said, okay, where I belong. I'm fine now. Exactly. So she was there until about 2.30 this afternoon. That's great. It was bad out there, man. Do you have like a little bit of furniture in there and stuff? Oh, yeah. There's yeah. chairs right. and right. Uh, there's like provisions, electricity, there's water. Yeah. You could starve in there, but it takes a long time to starve. It takes a very long time. It doesn't actually, take yeah. that long to die of right. no mo- no water. Yeah, three so days, I think, water. Yeah. Yeah. So she was in there with Dexter, the serial killer dog, and they were uh, nice and safe and Luckily, it happened, yeah, of great. course, during a time when typically tornadoes happen. It's warmer out. So yeah, yeah. She was fine. That's great. That's great. Seriously. I called her back a few minutes ago, and she's doing well. Good. She's waiting for me to get home. Mm-hmm. I said, what are you making for supper? She said, I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> Hot dogs and... Um, 
and uh, mac and cheese. Well, here's what I'll be happy if she, she wants to, if she's listening, which I doubt she is, but if she's listening, tomato soup and cheese. grilled cheese sandwiches. Fine with me. I love, that's one of my favorite meals. That's good. I that's can good eat eats. a bunch of them. All right, so... Um, you're done with school, brother. You had yeah. uh, finals yesterday. Yeah, I, did, I gave my uh, last final yesterday. I've got to still do grading, uh, but I gave a last final yesterday. So it's it's good to, uh, you know, it's a nice cycle in the teaching enterprise to you teach, then you have off, then you teach. It's uh, I, I like that. So when you give a test, mm-hmm. all right, and I'm I'm assuming that your tests are all written. They're not. Not verbal. Stand in front of me. I have given oral exams in when I taught. As a Fulbright scholar in Europe, I almost gave one. I think I may have given one here. And then most recently, I offered the class the, the choice, and they did not like the idea of an oral exam. So, <laughs> all right. You know, they, so they, they had a take-home exam instead. Okay. This is last semester. Oh, yeah. they wanted to take-home, open yeah. book kind of thing, right? Yeah. That's what they preferred. Okay. Um, well, that makes sense. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's right. Uh, um, students tend to prefer, for example, multiple choice questions over essay questions. Multiple my, guess. Yeah, my my this the exam I just administered had both, um, but I don't think multiple choice are easier because there's no nuance. Meaning, the, the question is nuanced, but there's no nuance in the answer. Either you circle right. the right answer or you didn't. And, right, right. And if you got the wrong, if you circle the wrong answer, you get zero. So you're saying don't come back to me and say. Well, this answer could be Absolutely right, too. Not. In fact, I, I allow them to cross out a handful of questions. And I tell them, I give you that opportunity in case you think there's some ambiguity in the question. Uh, this way, don't come back to me. Mm-hmm. You, this is your out. Um, and uh, and I think that's a fair exchange uh, for them. And uh, and it's, it's worked well for me. Yeah, I, I would much rather have essay mm-hmm. questions than have a question of just a b c d e all of the above and uh because you can typically at least score some points on an essay right they say well you know he had a pretty good example there and they give you some points yeah it's not just zero right Right. unless you wrote down it said you know what barks what uh you know blah 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 and you say right. cat now right. that can be a problem right no i think listen i think it's i think there are benefits to both types of questions um and i've used different balances uh, of these questions uh to the extremes in the past and you know it's it's a, it's always an ongoing process it's an ongoing experiment teaching that is uh, and i enjoy it and what i don't enjoy is those instances when other folks try to tell you how to do it. Yeah. You know? And look, it's I'm always learning. I'm an imperfect being as we all are, and I'm always learning. And I love when people say, oh, you know, I tried this, and I and I do that. And I say, hey, that's a good idea. Or I don't like that idea. I'm not going to use that. But, you know, you do whatever you want. Uh, but it's when people start to tell you that they know better than you. And they say, oh, well, you got to do it. I got to. Wait, what? You no, know, it's like somebody who tells me how I should do my show. That's right. That's right. And I know my listeners. Exactly. You know your 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 students. My students, exactly, and so, my and my subject. Yeah, you know. So it's like, hey, if that works for you, whatever that suggestion is, more power to you. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, mm-hmm. but other than suggesting to me, hey, here's an interesting idea, maybe to think about. When people start to tell me that they know more than me, I start to I start to go, oh well, what's your background? What's your credential? And you know what? They start to get more. They start to get a little quiet on that one. <laughs> All right. 
So I'm I'm truly not saying, Dave, that I'm better, but you know what? I'm also not worse. Well, here's a key. You you've come up and you've said this to me because you filled in for me for a few times. Most people listen to the show and they think that I just sit down in front of the mic exactly. and just start pontificating. Yes, and, elucidating. And, uh, uh, Maybe gonna, hallucinating. Halluc- well, I think there is some of that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Dave, uh, I'm going to interrupt you because I'm going to tell the story the same way I told it to you. And I said, Dave, I-, I can't tell you how many people I've heard say in general about talk show hosts. They say, oh, it's such an easy job. It'd be so cool to do that job. And I filled in for you a handful of times. And I know two things. It's really, really hard. And by the way, you know who said that? Who? Donald Trump. He said, look at Rush. He talks for three hours straight. And you talk for four, by the way. Yeah. Uh, he talks for three hours straight. You try doing that. It's really hard. And you just don't show up. you got to prep for it. Yeah, you got to know what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, we just don't make up facts. And we, and we don't, like, you know, you and I have a conversation. And we don't have a script in front of us. No. But we have, we interact before I come on because we go over things that are topics of the day. It just doesn't, hey, Rob, let's talk about this, you know, when I show up. No, there's prep involved. All right. So what do you think of uh, yesterday and uh, the Attorney General Barr showed up in front of the, uh, what was it? Senate. Senate Judiciary. Judiciary. That's a committee that I was a counsel on, by the way. Oh, really? Absolutely. You you were one of those people that was standing behind the senator. I was literally one of those people you saw standing standing or sitting behind the senators. That that, that was I. Everyone's when you see them lean forward. That's right. Or pass a note. Exactly. That that was I. That's what you were doing. That's right. That's right. with, With... now, I know everybody's going to say, well, who was your senator? That was um, 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 DeWine, Mike DeWine, who's now the governor of Ohio. Really? Yeah. Hey, yeah. let's call and see if he'll come on the show. Sure. I haven't been in touch with him, but I, he's a wonderful guy. I just posted on my Twitter a wonderful statement he wrote about the creation of the state of Israel, because today, by the way, is what's known as Yom HaShoah. That's a Hebrew uh, word, and that's um, it's the Holocaust Remembrance Day. Oh, really? Yeah. And he wrote a wonderful— Day we should never forget. That's exactly right. And he wrote a, a, wrote a wonderful statement about the uh, creation of Israel that, obviously, the two are interconnected. One doesn't exist— without the other. Uh, and I uh, I try to remember every Yom HaShoah as well as every day Israeli Independence Day, which is coming up shortly as well, uh, to uh, to tweet out that statement because it's, it's better than I could have ever written, I tell you that. All right. Yeah. So let's sit down and talk about uh, Barr. Yes. All right. So he shows up. I thought he did a, a superlative job. I thought he was great because he can give as well as he can take. I mean, they were attacking him during that whole meeting all the Democrats were. I talked to a, a friend of mine who's a lawyer. He has some very impressive credentials. I say this to just say I'm not just spouting off to anybody. It's a guy who thinks about these issues deeply and has a background to do so. With that said, it doesn't mean that other people can't, but he's really a qualified guy. And his response to me when I said, what do you think of Barr? And I think he's dead on is 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I always knew that Barr was bright, competent, and capable, but that was masterful. I'm not saying I, there are a few points that I could quibble on how he, but 
when I say quibble, it's like me watching one of those um, Olympic ice skaters. I can't do it better. Yeah. But I say, oh, well, there was a little trip or, you know, the, the stumble. I can see it. But it was a 10 out of 10. It was absolutely masterful. Well, they were trying to trip him up. Of course, there's no were. doubt. And, and they, that what, I sorry, Dave, but what's that? What's that? The woman from uh, um, uh, Hawaii? No, Hirono. Hirono. Thank you. That senator is a crackpot. <laughs> she's, she's, there's she's a scientific crazy. term for it. She is a crackpot. <laughs> And she's there lecturing him and his response. You know, this is why he's far better than I am. Uh-huh. Because she sits there and she lectures him and calls him a liar and a cheat and the, the 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 devil incarnate and everything else in between. And he just looks over. Because there was no question. He just yeah. looks over at her. Yeah. Like Brilliant. People are watching you right? and they can see how nuts you really are. Off the reservation. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? uh, Lindsey Graham said, you know, you slandered the AG from top to bottom. Right. And you should be ashamed of yourself. That's right. Well, he's absolutely right about that. Yeah. Absolutely right about that. You know, isn't it amazing now that in former Senator McCain passed away that after he died, Lindsey Graham I don't know if he had girded up his loins to the point <laughs> right. that he pushed his his uh, genitalia up into his body. Right, right. But when he passed away, his uh, gonads descended, and he's been really outspoken. There has been some change in, in, in behavior. Well, look, I've said, you know, I have been a strong supporter of the president from the time he ran. Mm-hmm. But uh, in somewhat contrast with you, I've also said I've always admired um, uh, McCain, and I think that Lindsey Graham probably was caught between those two, meaning he's, he was great friends with uh, um, um, McCain. Yeah, he was. And he also a supporter of the president. Well, how do you navigate that? And I think he, and the answer was delicately, but now that McCain has uh, unfortunately passed, uh, and I mean that genuinely, it's really, I mean, he was older, so it's not a tragedy like a 40-year-old passing, but whenever no. anybody dies, it's... I haven't gone through a loss recently. Somebody is is yeah. being affected. That's by right. It. That's exactly right. Um, but now that he's not in um, in uh, Graham's everyday interaction, it, I think you're exactly right. It frees him up a little bit to be more vocal in his support of the president. Well, yeah. my my whole thing with McCain is is a simple one. I think the man was a hero because he was made a prisoner of war. And he conducted himself honorably yes. for the most part that I know yes. and people yes. I've talked to. But when it comes to being a politician, yeah. can't stand him. Well, and and where I am on that is uh, I disagreed with some of the things like his vote against Obamacare. But that doesn't mean I still don't admire him. And I also think he did a lot of good things as uh, as a senator as well. So it's just, you know, it's okay. He right? didn't do a lot for the military vet, and that yeah, bothers me. I don't me. know a lot about that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't you know. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't do a lot, and that really bothered yeah. me. And uh, that he was a person who fed this uh, steel dossier. To the FBI. To the FBI really bothers well, and me. Well, and that, and I don't know the answer to the following question, but this is important. Did he give it to the FBI and say simply, you know, this piece of trash is being floated around. You guys got to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. That I think would be 100% appropriate. Or did he give this 
to the FBI and say, use this to undermine Trump. And if it's the latter, that's truly or deeply you disturbing. you ain't going to believe what you're right. going to read in this. That's right. That's right. And and, yeah. and and then that truly – because let's get down to it, by the way. Uh, Barr was defending his use of the term spying, which is what the Obama administration did yes. to the Trump campaign. And, and, and Barr said, well, I don't think spying is a pejorative, a negative word. I actually think it is kind of a pejorative, yeah. and I think it's exactly what the Obama administration did to the Trump campaign. They were spying on a campaign that was essentially competing with Obama for his third term through Hillary, and they were looking to 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 uh, to uh, uh, reconfigure the outcome of an election. There was no accident there. They sent this this person named Turk, it's a fake name by the way, according to the New York Times, all the way to England to go meet with Papadopoulos in cahoots with some professor over there that was meeting with Papadopoulos to question him on his meetings with Russians. They were spying on the opposing campaign. If they want to know if Russia is trying to interfere with the election, you go spy on the Russians, not on a competing campaign. That's what you do. So they were absolutely spying. Well, I like Grassley yesterday when A.G. Barr made the statement that the DNC and the Hillary campaign used money, campaign funds, That's right. to pay steel That's right. to get information from the Russians. Steal a failed spy, by the yes, way. Oh, yes. he was a spy. He was yeah. a spy for eight years. Yeah. Nobody drops out of the spy business for the government for which they worked after eight years unless something went down. Yeah. Okay? So something it, went down. So anyway, sorry. you have a foreign national right. that you've employed to go talk to one of our major enemies to get information that you take... And you release to make sure you get elected. Exactly. And you know what Grassley said? Yeah. That is the perfect definition of collusion. Collusion. And voter and, manipulation, and, by the way. And what did Barr say back? What's That's it? why I am looking into it. it. And and Hillary's on television. Uh, Listen, she's got the same First Amendment right as anybody else, but oh my gosh, do I not want to see her anymore. Although, here's why I do want to see her. All she does is- In an orange jumpsuit. That's exactly. all I want to see Exactly. Her. Well, she wore the pantsuits already. Just get an orange one. Um, <laughs> uh, but here's, here's why I do want to see her. Wait, what? Yeah, I want to see her because she reminds the electorate of how lousy- a candidate she was and how lousy an option the Democratic Party is for the next presidential election. But she's there on television. She's like, and Barr should resign and Trump should resign. You know, she's like the Oprah giving away. She's like Oprah giving away cars, but with resignation. And you resign and you resign and you get a car and you get a car. She's out of control. Yeah, she's absolutely. And and our buddy Comey, you know, I, I throw up in my mouth a little bit every time I see Comey on television or I read something. You know, he's wearing those those um, uh, um, Spock boots and from Star Trek. And he's got that right? swarmy oh, smile. Well, he's got that smile. And he, sure enough, you know what? Here's somebody else disagreeing with him. That is Barr. And he literally wrote an op-ed in the New York Times saying, oh, and Barr's 
corrupted by the president. And every, he literally wrote, everybody who comes into contact with the president is corrupted. And so, well, I was kind of corrupted by the president, but until I got away, got away, you were fired, first of all, okay? <laughs> it's a nice way of putting it. Exactly. And it's just, so everybody connected with the administration is evil. All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. Robert Steinbach's here. Law professor at Bowen School of Law, UALR. His opinions are his alone and not necessarily those of the university nor the school of law. All right. Back, you want to make a final comment? Yeah, I just want, you know, we got cut off at the end and I was saying, I was attributing to Comey the notion that anybody that works for Trump, uh, according to Comey, is a bad dude. And I just want to make clear. Let me me quote him. He said that Trump eats your soul one small bite at a time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's such a, if, if you weren't such, uh, like Comey is, lily livered, spineless individual, well, guess what? He wouldn't eat your soul. Mm-hmm. I Meaning nobody eats your soul. You uh, sell your soul. Yeah, you're, you sell your soul. You, you feel that way because what you're doing, Comey, is projecting. Yeah. Other people are perfectly fine. So many people have stayed on in his administration. Many people have left his administration for a variety of reasons. Some people didn't like what he was doing. Fine, leave. That's that's, yeah, that's the, the option. Way it works. That's the way it works. You know, you go to work for the for the head honcho. Uh, you follow the head honcho's vision. But if you come to the conclusion that you don't support that vision, well, then you leave. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, or you stay. Or, by the way, some people leave because they have different, opp- better opportunities. So, okay, I did my stint there, but now I want to try X, Y, Z. Good for you. So that's the thing. It's a But Comey projects because he's weak. And what's moreover, Comey and McCabe have one set of rules for themselves and another set of rules for everybody else. Remember, Comey leaked to a college professor at Columbia. A friend. Yeah. I don't give you a friend or not a friend, right? Uh, but that's what he said. Yeah, he a friend, friend, right? Like somehow that 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 a wash that washes him in absolution, leaks information, um, government information to the uh, professor, so that the professor can leak it to the press. And McCabe leaked information to the press, and then both of them said, "Oh, we were allowed to." All the time that they've hunted down any other leaks in the FBI, yes, as they should, by the way, but. Guess what? Different standard from Kobe and McCabe. Comey and McCabe. And McCabe himself said, oh, well, I'm the deputy. I'm allowed to do that. No, you're not. Uh, one, you're not. And by the way, if you were allowed to, that would be corrupt in and of itself. Yeah. That's the, the, the archetype. I thought nobody's above the law, Mr. McCabe. If you were allowed, then why would you have to just leak? Why couldn't you just stand get on the news and say it? Oppressor? Exactly. Why did you just come out? Anytime law enforcement is speaking behind the scenes to law, to uh, to the press to give them information selectively, not in the public eye, that's a problem. We should always be on guard for law enforcement overstepping its bounds. I'm a strong supporter of law enforcement, but here's the problem. They have all the power. They need to be... You need to be uh, assured that they're not overstepping their bounds. I told you, a friend of mine who's a federal judge says the single biggest danger in America is the overstep of government authority. Not drug dealers, not murderers, and all those things. Why? Because there's nothing more powerful than government. Well, there's nothing more powerful than somebody who can use the ultimate power of the government 
to do things that That's the right. average schmo can't do. That's right. And then claim, I'm allowed to do it because there's a special rule just for me. Yeah. Just a special rule for Comey and a special rule for McCain. And that's happening too much in this country Much now. too much. Much too much. You know, we'll so, pass this law, but it doesn't apply to us. That's right. That's right. Well, if it doesn't apply to you, it should not apply to us that's right. either. That's right. Well, I just, uh, 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 a friend of mine, Chris Corbett, uh, uh, who's an outstanding lawyer in Little Rock, and he just got a case, or he has a case, I don't know when he got it, and he made a FOIA request of the Little Rock Water Authority, something like that. I think that's what it's called, Water Authority, Wastewater, something like that. He made a FOIA request. What's it, uh, Central... Water at sea, something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But I think it's... And I don't water. trust them. Yeah. Never trust them. Right. Well, so he makes a FOIA request, and they go and um, uh, go to court and say, oh, well, he's not entitled to the FOIA for all these reasons, and I'm not going to get into them right now. We may talk about it at another point. But I tell you this, because he called me, and he said, listen, um, I know that you sort of uh, uh, um, expound upon your book, the Freedom of Information Act treatise uh, that I co-authored. Can you take a look at this claim uh, by the um, uh, water authority, whatever it is, the wastewater authority, and tell me if there's anything in your book that speaks to this? And I said, happy to do it. And sure enough, I look at it very quickly and then pull out the book and find the again, the, the, it's, a, it's a municipal and they're represented by who? The municipal league. We've okay. talked so many times about the municipal league. Oh yeah, and, the, and and what does the municipal league say? All of these patently incorrect statements about the Freedom of Information Act, patently incorrect. And the, they know, by the way, well, that they're incorrect. I don't see how they couldn't. I got to tell you, and it's just these bureau hacks at work again, trying to prevent people from getting access to public information. And all along, and I met with the with the municipal league folks and there's one guy i forget his name now often very nice guy i think he tries to work with me but he's hamstrung uh, by the the efforts of the municipal league folks and and the localities and they just don't want to do it they just don't want to comply with the foia or turn over documents and it's always a challenge and it's just another example of it And, and so why do i bring this up another example of government behavior where they say sorry joe citizen we know better. No transparency No transparency. Here. We know better. And what's good for you ain't good for us. Right. We'll tell you what's good for us. Yeah. You think it. You can tell us. You watch it. Right. Exactly. All right. With exactly. that said, story for you today. I find this really, really interesting. It says a lot. Mm-hmm. If you're a Democrat, listen up. It's been a rough week for Senate Democrats as they try to lay the groundwork to reclaim the Senate in next year's election Mm -hmm. with some of the most coveted recruits announcing, guess what? They're going to pass on 2020 runs. That means you're looking at 2024 at the earliest for those areas or 2026. Rising star Stacey Abrams, who came extremely close to winning last year's gubernatorial election in Georgia, you'll remember that race where she refused to concede, Uh, on uh, Tuesday said no to launching a Senate bid against GOP Senator David Perdue. Mm -hmm. Her decision was a setback to Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, who personally met with Abrams multiple times as he tried to recruit her. Mm -hmm. Hours later, 
Congresswoman Cindy Axne of Iowa announced she would run for re-election next year rather than launch a Democratic challenge against Republican Senator Joni Ernst. A day later, Democratic Representative Joaquin Castro of Texas also announced he would run for re-election rather than take a stab at trying to unseat GOP Senator John Cornyn. Uh, Also Wednesday, reports swirled that Montana Governor Steve Bullock would likely launch a presidential campaign in the next week or two. A Bullock entry into the White House race obviously means the popular two-term governor is passing on a chance to knock off Republican Senator Steve Daines next year. Then earlier this year, are you catching on to the... No, I'm following. Okay. I'm following. Two other high-profile politicians in the Senate Democrats' campaign arm tried to recruit former Governor John Hickenlooper of Colorado, former Representative uh, Beto O'Rourke, Beta, whatever, Beto. of yeah. Texas, yeah. who nearly defeated Senator Ted Cruz, decided to launch White House runs rather than run for Senate. The early recruiting failures of Schumer and the uh, DSCC, that's the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, by the way, and their chair, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto of Nevada, could be an early barometer of the likely steep climb ahead as their party tries to take back the majority in the chamber where the Republicans hold a 53-47 advantage. In fact, I believe will increase that advantage to about 56-44. Well, and your prediction prediction makes sense, um, even as a general matter, meaning in addition to the specific analysis that you do because typically in a midterm is when there's the biggest sort of reflection right bouncing back to use a sort of engineering term uh and so that's where they generally the opposition party picks up the most seats and when trump runs for re-election you'll have a much greater republican turnout and so the likelihood is that the republicans recoup some of those losses well here's what i th- if things stay the way they are mm-hmm. unless you know, something falls out of the right, sky right, that right. you're not expecting. Right. But the bottom line is, I expect the president to be reelected. Right. Will hold and build on Senate, right. and will take back the House. Right. And if that happens, don't expect it to be a kinder, gentler House. No. Because no. Uh, what's his name isn't uh, at the head of the of the class. Yeah, What's his uh, name Ryan, from what, what, Ryan, 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 yeah. Ryan. I'd like to see Jordan yeah, running like the, the house. Or yeah. I'd even take a uh, guy by the name of French Hill. Yeah, yeah. He'd be good. Oh, he'd be terrific. He'd do a good job. Me? Uh, I, I, I giggle only in the sense that he, it's, uh, he, he's not in leadership now, but that, that does not in any way mean he couldn't be, right? I mean, yeah. that's the beauty of these things. These things change on a dime. Um, no, I think French would be fantastic for that position. I really do. So anyway, um, I think it's countdown 18 months to a, a total implosion of the Democrat Party. And if right. that happens, Democrat Party ain't coming back for a long time. Just take a look at Arkansas. It's a pretty good example of it. I heard, by the way, if, we, if we're just talking politics, but uh, and we talked last time I was on the air, I guess Monday, uh, about our, our good friend and the solid conservative Dan Sullivan 
He's going to run, as you know, as we discussed, for Senate um, up there. And where is he? Conway? No, no. He's up in uh, Jonesboro. Jonesboro. Sorry, Jonesboro. Um, And... You know, I'm terrible with geography. Anywhere. Don't worry about it. Put me, put, put me in, you know, put me, spin me around in a circle. I can't find my way forward. But in any event, um, Dan Sullivan is going to run for Senate. And we were talking about him running in the primary against Cooper. My understanding now is Cooper's not running. Oh, really? Yes. Going to be an open primary. A open primary. Exactly. Well, he so, knows that he's in deep kimchi because he's gone again. He went against us on guns, and he right. went against us uh, in, you know, Arkansas Works and Medicaid reform. Right, right. that's right. Yeah, you know, you do both of those, don't expect a whole lot of uh No, and there, and there were some hammer bills that he was not um, supportive of as well. I don't recall, frankly, offhand which one, but I was disappointed in that. Um, so in any event, there was a variety of reasons, uh, but he's not going to run again, and so it's going to be an open primary, and as you know, uh, I think Dan Sullivan has a significant advantage being the rep. I would put him yeah. on the inside track. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as I'm, you know, if you know anything about when you do a foot race, if you're on the inside, everybody right. goes for the inside. Why? Shorter. It's a shorter distance right. to right. the finish line. Exactly. And uh, um, Dan is solidly conservative. Oh, he's a good man. That's, absolutely. In fact... I met with him several times during this past session, and we talked about a variety of bills um, and and bills that he was pursuing. And he said, Rob, you know, what are your thoughts? How can I, you know, am I missing anything in these bills? I want them to be solidly conservative and that kind of thing. Uh, and he also asked me, you know, what are your interests and what things can I pursue that you believe are right? Not for, Not because – of a personal favor, but because he knows I'm a conservative. And he says, look, I think you have good ideas. I hear you on the radio with Dave. And so what do you got? Let's talk. Okay. So we have got to talk about this when we come back. Yeah. Because if he doesn't run in the house, who should we be looking at? That's a good question. In the house. That is a good question. Because what you don't want is somebody backed by a big hospital up there. Oh, yeah. That is nothing more than, yeah. You don't, we nope. don't need another one. We need another Dan Sullivan. We need That's a right. clone that we can put in there. we That's got more right. to talk That's about. That's a good question. That's coming back. We'll be back in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It always goes fast when Robert and I get together. we yep. got about uh, four minutes left here wow. uh, before the top of the hour. Coming up in the next hour, uh, a repeat of my interview from the 2 o'clock hour with J.R. Davis the spokesperson for the governor's office, just a kind of a free form discussion about politics and even about just culture. That's all coming your way in the next hour here on the Dave Ellswick show tomorrow's fun Friday, Matt Smith coming in. We'll talk movies. What is there to see besides Avengers this weekend? Blake Woodson will join me from Dallas, from the comic con and from the fright fest. And then Eric Coleman's going to be around, my favorite jeweler. Tell you what you might want to do for Mother's Day. Nice. So that's that's what you can expect tomorrow. Nice. I try to stay ahead. All right, so you're saying you have heard that Cooper's not rerunning. That's what I heard, yeah. All yeah, right. That's what I heard. And then as we finished up in that last segment, uh, we did hear, and I was told at the end of the session, but asked not to say anything until he said something, Dan right. Sullivan going to be running for Cooper's seat. Right. And if that's the case, who will run for Dan Sullivan's house seat? That's that a very we'll be good hoping. question. Very so good I'd question. like to 
I'd like to kind of get a feel for what's going on. There's some shifting ground out there. Well, we need a good conservative. Yeah, we need a good conservative, and and because we don't have enough in the House, we don't have enough in the House or the Senate. Yeah, we got like 18 of them in the House, and I don't know. I I I said to uh, a strong conservative who's in the legislature the other day. I said it to him the other day. I said, you know, we're 75 percent Republican. But we're not 75% conservative. And his response to me was, I'm not sure we're 50% conservative. No, I think we're twenty about 25 to 27%, which it's, means it's disappointing. we have a lot of room for improvement. Right. And if, if we could get a 10, 10 15% improvement on that, huge. we'd be well, making some noise. Well, look, the fact that we could not pass Stand Your Ground, 33 states have it. And I, tell, I told this story on your show before when I was speaking to Bob Ballinger and I said, I feel like I'm back... I'm originally, as you know, from New York. I said, I feel like I'm back in New York or maybe on the West Coast in California because we can't pass Stand Your Ground. And he said back to me, oh, Rob, you're wrong. California has Stand Your Ground. Mm-hmm. And so, and 33 states have it. And so it's a joke that we we uh, 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 can't pass it. And that really is a black eye. Uh, I mean, I think uh, Bob Allinger was right in the newspaper that day when he said, we, we've made progress. We moved, we moved the ball forward, but I, we, we haven't not scored. Touchdowns. No touchdown. No touchdown. Absolutely touchdown. not a touchdown. I'm hoping, yeah. and I don't know if it will happen or not, but Charlie Collins. Oh, I love Charlie. I'm. You know, I need to get a hold of him. In yeah. fact, I'll I'll text him yeah. so we come off the air and see right. if he'll join me next week. But I'm hoping he'll rerun for for election. I think again. that'd be fantastic. He he, you know, he has a real challenge because he's up there in that liberal enclave where the uh, U of A Fayetteville is, uh, and he was able to get elected uh, several times, uh, but then finally got squeezed out by the leftists. Uh, but I I would love and just barely. Yeah. So I I agree with you. I would love to get him back in the race. Um, I wonder who's the senator from up there. I would love to get him back in a race there and, and, and get him back in, in one of the Would houses. that be Bledsoe? I don't know. I don't know. I think Bledsoe may be okay. from that area. Okay. Uh, would because expect. Charlie would be, Charlie, you know, eight, ten years ago, probably eight years ago, that I testified for the first time, uh, for Charlie, that is, uh, in favor of his uh, campus carry bill, and it took like three iterations, three different legislative sessions before he got that fantastic bill passed. And of course, it's broader than campus carry, but that's what it was known as colloquially. Okay, now let me say this. I want yeah. everybody to hear this. Hear me clearly. I will back Charlie Collins unless somebody else runs that is more conservative than Charlie is fiscally, because mm-hmm. Charlie's not I really... I got to tell you, I would back Charlie almost against anybody else. That's how strongly I think he's done so much good for this state. And it's always a compromise, meaning, you know, whenever you vote for an elected, uh, 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 someone in elective office, they don't agree with you 100%. I think Charlie is such a fantastic uh, person and did so many good things, in particular, the things we just talked about for this state, that even if he is not, and I don't know his uh, his record on the other issue that you mentioned, I would still support Charlie Collins. That's how great I think he is. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I hear the music playing. Oh, well, yeah. But I like it when we disagree on some of the candidates. I well, think it we'll makes say. for a good uh, conversation. Okay. We'll see each other again Monday. You have a great weekend. You too, Thank my you friend. for coming in today. My pleasure. All right. That is, of course, my man, Robert Steinbach. If you want to know the legal end of something, have him on your show. All right. See you tomorrow, 2 o'clock. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.